This is Devo Samuel. You're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert, and we are on the tail end of the Senior Bowl. Yesterday was the game. We spent the week in Mobile taking in the practices. We're getting into all that stuff, our reactions after the game as we look forward to the NFL Combine here in a few weeks, which I can't believe. Uh, I just saw that the, uh, the the credential applications have opened up now inside NFL Communications for the Combine, and it's just hard to believe that we're back to that time of year. Before we get started, just a quick reminder, please give the podcast a five-star rating and a review if you're listening in Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Uh, it just takes a few seconds, and it really means the world to us. If you really want to support Roster Watch and support the podcast, you can do so by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, where we will have exclusive content coming out of the combine, uh, you know, coming out of the Senior Bowl here in the coming uh, weeks and months. We have Trashman's uh, rookie scouting uh, evaluation starting to go up, and we'll have a bunch of other kind of neat stuff as well as pro podcasts from the road, from the Pro Day Tour, et cetera. So uh, you, if you want to dominate your fantasy football leagues, you want to dominate your dynasty leagues, and we will have the best ball cheat sheet up within the next two weeks just in time for MFL 10s and for uh, the early drafts that are going on right now on the draft app. With that said, Byron, what the hell's going on, man? You make it back home safe and sound? I sure did, man. It's just like our good friend who works inside the NFC said, you know, Usually when you think one of these teams has had the better week of practice, that means they're going to lose in the game, right? <laughs> it's just pretty it much what happens it, like pretty that. much what it always means. However, this year we observed a giant disparity in the quality of the rosters in the north and the south, and we actually saw that manifest in the game as John Gruden, man, he pushed Kyle Shanahan and that South team away in the rearview mirror and left them with some smoke and some dust, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I guess – from this week, what really caught my attention was the positional depth, uh, spe- uh, specifically with the kind of nuts and bolts of both these rosters was really impressive. And, you know, n- none more than the offensive line unit who once I got through the game and all my notes yesterday, I mean, that unit was seriously two or three units deep we've seen a lot of good offensive linemen pro bowlers all pros come out of the senior bowl in years past uh, but I can't say there's ever been uh, depth like this so if teams like the Raiders and the 49ers and many other teams across the NFL don't come out of this draft with some pretty good offensive linemen at value from this senior bowl uh, there'll be donks and you know we what we know is the senior bowl is usually a pretty good it's like kind of sticking your finger up in the wind, you know, a little bit of a litmus test, a little bit of an indicator of what the entire draft class is going to look like. And, you know, we've heard a lot about the offensive line, the defensive line, the defensive backs in this draft. And absolutely, that's what we saw at the Senior Bowl. So I believe that is how this draft is shaping up. And as good as the offensive line was, I mean, that was just blew me away. Uh, like I said, the, there was depth at the defensive line. Uh, there was quite a bit of depth at the defensive back position. And, and uh, you know, to... In full disclosure, the depth actually did extend over to the wide receiver position. Uh, so uh, definitely a lot of fantasy interest over there too, Alex. If it's going to be – if it's a good indicator of depth in the class, and I think we already sort of know this, it's not going to be a good year for running backs, <laughs> right? It's like we've been blessed with like three really good years for running backs. Who knows? Maybe this will be one where through the process we'll uncover a few diamonds in the rough. Or maybe, you know, it's like – you can't really, I guess, you can't really judge a class until two or three years down the road because who knows which ones of these guys will fall into favorable situations and be able to show us things at the NFL level that they might not be able to show at the college level. But, man, even Jim Nagy, you can go back and listen to episode, I think, 119 of this podcast. 
he even said, man, if, like looking at these senior running backs, he had to go really, really deep to, you know, try and unearth the guys who could be the next, you know, the, maybe the next Philip Lindsay or the next Mike uh, or not, you know, the next Chris Carson, simply because it's like those guys aren't necessarily just overflowing uh, you know off of draft boards right now as far as what you look at on the surface and I don't know that you know it's really hard to judge these guys let's just let's just start out talking about the game and talking about the uh let's just talk about the running backs because I think it'll be the it'll be the thing that'll be easiest to talk about simply because even though we know at these senior bowl games these all-star games in these kinds of settings running back is the hardest one to evaluate just because they're not getting to run between the tackles they're not getting to go 100 percent, except maybe in these inside run drills that um where you're able to see you know we saw the Karan higdon this year and it, it, to some degree dexter williams from notre dame but really Karan higdon from michigan uh, being able to identify those small creases and holes in the line and be able to burst through there, kind of score through, and it looked like their ability to um, to you know cre- keep keep their contact balance and uh, you know find a little bit of space. Excuse me, find a little bit of space. You know, looked good in those drills, but other than that, you're really fo- focusing on the ancillary. Um, you know, responsibilities, their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, their ability to pick up, you know, the pass protection stuff with these blitzing linebackers. Usually it's during the game when the Kareem Hunts really pop off, right? Where the David Johnsons really pop off and you begin to notice them. I'm not sure that I noticed that during this game. What, like, what did you come out of the game thinking about the running backs when you compare it to what you thought about the week of practice? Well, I mean, the first thought is that this is probably going to be a pretty weak running back class. I mean, unless it's just a total outlier in terms of what the junior class is going to offer uh, at that position. I mean, this is a pretty good sample size usually of what's what's to come. And so uh, it also means a lot of other mediocre backs could get pushed up in the draft. So, um, you know, throughout the week, I thought Higdon was the guy that kind of separated himself just – in terms of natural kind of uh, skill-specific, positional-specific traits and uh, intuitions and abilities and, you know, uh, just his – he kind of had the most explosive explosiveness to his game out there and good good vision, et cetera. So I thought he separated himself. As you mentioned, Dexter Williams was a guy that in practice was really good at finding the seams in, pla- in practice and kind of three-quarter speed oh, stuff. God, and did it, he and suck it, in the game? He ex- looked just awful. Well, uh, awful uh, in the hu- game. <laughs> a huge part of our evaluation is always going to be uh, running back's ability to shed contact, especially on on first contact. And something that's always hard to kind of get the right pulse on during the week of practice, especially this year was so tricky with Wednesday practice being moved indoors and the media not being allowed in and then having to review all that by tape. You just don't get that same pop that you get out there uh, live on the field. And then, you know, look, I I interviewed uh, Dexter Williams after Thursday practice and I did notice, I mean, you know, he's not maybe didn't have quite the size. He kind of had a smaller head. You know, you want your running backs with a big, what'd you say? Your son's going to have a head in the 97th percentile, Alex. That's <laughs> well, more no, than, no, I don't know. It's, I, I think he's, <laughs> I don't know if he will. That's what he has right now. I mean, it's a, it's that son's got a melon on him. I know you don't want your babies growing up to be running backs. Never have, never will. But that's the kind of head you're looking for really on your running back. Boy, speaking of a big head and neck, we'll get to Terry McLaurin at the wide receiver position in a few minutes. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, and then that really kind of showed up in the game, right? I mean, he was weak on contact, can't shed contact. That's not going to cut it in the NFL. However, he did get two Raiders stickers from John Gruden, got in the end zone. I think by the end of that game, everybody had a damn Raiders sticker on their helmet. <laughs> they, they, they sure did. Uh, got in the end zone there at the end. And, and he was able to show some vision and some cutbacks in the creases, but that's just not something that's going to be sustainable in the he NFL. Just, he was a guy that looked kind of good during the week of practices who I, I could have come out of there really impressed with, but I'm just not. I don't I don't like him. Whereas Ryquel Williams... I don't think he's going to be any good. Whereas right yeah, now, nope. meaning Ryquel Armstead. Ryquel Armstead out of, out of Temple, you know, that's a guy that we said all week, man, he's good on all three downs. He's, he's functional in every facet of the running back position. And, you know, he looks he looks pretty good. But kind of the question was, 
does he excel in any one area and does he going to have is he going to have kind of the enough juice to really separate himself you know in the NFL and that's tough to evaluate during practice but he was the stoutest guy and I'll tell you what he came out in the game and he was really able to shed contact best of any running back that played yesterday and I thought that was really played to his strength and kind of an uptick to his evaluation so you know there's a chance I think that he's could be the best running back that comes out of the most NFL you know NFL type running back that comes out of this class, you know, you know, but that said, if I could have made the all senior bowl team after, after the game, I might've picked Raquel Armstead. I, I think it's, and, been, and it, I, and I think, and I think if you look at, 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 at Temple, uh, T- Temple says that you pronounce it Raquel. So it's not Raquel, it's Raquel. And I think that I would have probably made him my all senior bowl nomination in front of Higdon, just because Higdon's only two oh two versus the two you know, he came in here at two twenty three. Armstead. Yeah, did. I think there's an argument though that Higdon's gonna have a more direct line to immediate role in the I NFL. I can understand that. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I but but I think for future for future potential to be a three-down back, Raquel Armstead was really good in the receiving game, good in pass protection, and whenever the lights came on, and he, he had to, he did have to run between the tackles, really good at it. The only thing about him, for 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 one, I don't care that much about level of competition coming from Temple because the fact of the matter is he's a ball player. He's he's a he's a absolute baller. They actually played on both sides of the football. He he, he played some dime linebacker too, made some splash plays like that, and. I'm not worried about level of competition anymore because the, the Senior Bowl is the great equalizer, and he was really good during that Senior Bowl game. Now, we need to take into consideration the fact that, yes, he was running behind probably a better offensive line than he'll have at his first NFL stop unless he goes to a top-five NFL offensive line in the league. That's how good this group was in Mobile this year, albeit you know they certainly are all going to be rookies, but they were the best of the best as far as the rookie class coming in. The one thing you worry about with Raquel Armstead is the, you know, he he, he was, uh, he's just, he's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy. So he needs to stay healthy. That's what even his own coaches said. That's what Jim Nagy said on the podcast. You know, if he can stay healthy, he's got, he seems, he seems to have the body to hold up. He doesn't seem like, he, you know, fragile or delicate or anything like that to me. He's got a big bruising, like barrel of a body. So I, I just really, think how he tests really is gonna, I think his, yeah. how he tests is going to matter a little bit. You want to you know is he Vic Ballard? You know, it could be a kind of Vic Ballard uh, well, type. That's, that's an interesting. I mean, trash me. I thought he had a little bit of C.J. Anderson to him. I could see Vic Ballard. Yeah. I mean, it could be that type of guy. If he has just a little extra juice, he could end up being a starter all three downs in the NFL. You know. Yeah. Ag- agreed. So I I think him and Higdon probably the. Probably the ones. I mean, do you, do you have anything to really say about these dudes like Tony Pollard? Well, we got to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about Tony Pollard and let's talk about Wes Hills, the Slippery Rock kid. I mean, who got injured? Uh, who got injured when he was looking really good? <laughs> looking really good, but in the type of runs that aren't going to be consistent and sustainable. A little bit in the too NFL. tall for that, right? Too well, tall. He just looks too upright. He presents too much surface area as, as as he runs, is what I noticed. But you know, he had the he he was the. MVP of the NFLPA game. You know, he had a big week out there. And had a good week got, in Mobile. Had a good week. Looked good, man. Made a big play oh, in the game. Just you worry oh, about his body yeah. type and his the way he runs upright. And, you know, you're not going to get this big cutback lanes like he had yesterday all the time. Just not, you know, we don't tend to fall victim to group thinking. There's a lot of guys out there in Mobile every year. Actually, Mobile, like Alex said. Um that will tell you, you know, we have a huge sample size of a historical database of NFL players, and they're just simply just, you know, not people that come from this profile statistically that can succeed no matter kind of what they look like on the field. And, you know, I don't tend to usually go that route, but West Hills, when I see that body type, that sure is one that I just say, man, there's, you know, there's not a lot of these guys that you look back and you say were were real good unless they were maybe – Exceptionally unless, stout. Unless they're Eric Dickerson yeah. or Eddie George. Eddie George or, or maybe like, even a Darren McFadden. You know, it just did not, you know, a Derek Henry. It's just. It's, DeMarco Murray. Yeah. Not, not. And none of those guys went to Slippery Rock. Yeah. Tony Pollard, man, like like we said, uh, I, I heard Jim Nagy calls him the Swiss Army Knife is what they said on the broadcast yesterday. And so we said, you know, mainly a guy like a third down back, but. 
I was kind of scatting around all week, but certainly at least competent and functional basically in all areas, but nothing that's going to really wow you. They were talking yesterday like he could come into the league as a third down back. I I think he comes in, maybe gets that kind of role, but doesn't really show a whole lot and is never able to lock it down. I mean, I can't even put him in like a Corey Clements class. You know what I mean? Probably the most disappointing was Bruce Anderson for me from North Dakota State. Came in at 5'11 and 1/8 inch, 209. Um, you know, his tape is so good with his ability to show out with his, uh, with his, um, with his hands and his ability to catch the ball in space and to be a, a guy that is a true three-down threat. Uh, at, at least at the uh, at least at the North Dakota State, what the FCS level, right? FCS. North Dakota State, I think. Um, anyway, the thing on him was whenever we saw him at the weigh-in, his upper body looked solid, and he had big, strong arms, chest, shoulders, etc. But a little bit, th- a little bit light in the light in the pants through the calves. Speaking of Darren McFadden, uh, what I didn't see much during the week to make me kind of get off of the fact that. I mean, I came in with probably the highest expectations on this guy because, for one, Nagy had talked him up. We had Joe Marino on the SiriusXM, Joe Marino from the Draft Network on the SiriusXM show, saying this was the runner he was sort of most intrigued by because once he put on the tape, especially, man, you go back and watch the Bruce, Bruce Anderson versus Cal Poly tape. It's, um, it's obscene, you know, but uh, did you notice anything? Did, like, did, do you have a single note about Bruce Anderson on the whole entire week? I don't think he flashed once as far as what I was able to see. Yeah, I would rank him, you know, closer to the Tony Pollard area of the prospects that we observed out there. I mean, he he wasn't a top three guy out there. He was kind of pitch squeakish and a little underwhelming and not enough power. We like our running backs to have some juice in the lower body. By the way, that's that's our concern on Karan Higdon. We could we could probably be a little more excited about him if he was. You know, a little stouter in the lower body. He's, you know. But like we were talking to one scout about, it's like if a guy like Karan Higdon can get his weight up to 208, 209, maybe 210 by the combine, I, I think that that would go a long way. I, th- I think that that extra six, seven pounds goes a long way. But the difference between 202 and 210. Yeah, I mean, I agree. We'll see if he can put it on or not. I think he can play it that way. I think he can. We saw his frame in his body. He, he can put on seven to 10 good pounds of muscle. Easy. Well, we'll find out, right? Yeah, we'll find out. He might just what water about- load before he gets on that scale. Yeah, right. So, I mean, as far as the just final thoughts on the running backs and in, in Mobile, I mean, is it Karan Higdon, Raquel Armstead? I mean, in Dynasty, rest? those are the two guys. Yeah, Dynasty, those are the two guys I'm interested in at the moment. And even in the NFL draft, those are the two guys I'm interested in my team selecting. All right, so what about – look, as far as tight ends, let's just talk a little bit about him. I have nothing to really say. On our all-senior bowl roster, the one guy that I liked was number 49 from Stetson. Uh, I forget what his name is. Let's just pull it up so we just have it here. He was on the south. Oh, Donald team, Parham. Donald Parham from Stetson, which is Stetson, which is actually in Florida. Yeah, so I like, I like that guy, Donald Parham from Stetson. Is this right? Is this right? There's no way that this is right. He was he six foot eight. Is that what you have? Uh, let me it see. Says six, it says six foot eight in our in our sheet. There's no way he's six feet. He was like six six. Did I mistake that down? Six eight is what's on. The, yeah, no, that's what's on the Senior Bowl official roster as well. Number forty nine. Donald six, Park. Eight? Stetson tight end six eight two twenty two. That's not going to cut it, bro. No, six eight two forty three. Oh, so okay, so he he did come in. Tw- okay, so this is not updated. So maybe the height is a little. If you've got six eight on the official, that's what they have on the roster too. They had two twenty two on the roster, which ten and a half inch updated. hands. Okay, thirty six and an eighth inch arms. Jesus, I mean, we haven't seen thirty like we haven't seen thirty six inch arms until this year out of Charles Ominahu and now Donald Parham. We haven't seen that since DJ Fluker's year back in 2013. Was the last guy with over 36 inch arms. So, a couple of couple of pterodactyls here in this one. Charles Menehu and Donald Parham. I didn't realize when I was watching him that he was that tall. 
Yeah, because part of the reason you liked him was kind of the way that he moved, but maybe that's because yeah. he's he, it, he's. I'd be I'd be interested to see if he was like a former basketball player, six eight, two forty. Kind of sounds like it, man. Um, you know, well, there was that other t- really tall, slender tight end as well. Was it eighty seven from UCLA? The UCLA kid was. They had a couple real tall, slender guys see, out there. I they don't, could, I don't not, see a UCLA. I see one from Utah State, oh, San U- Jose State, yeah, Dax LSU. Raymond, Utah yeah. State. Right, big, big hands on him too. Ten, ten and. Ten and three eighths inches, six four and a half, two forty nine. So, I don't know, man. None of those guys popped off to me though, except for the Stetson kid. Uh, if you have some, I, I know number eighty seven, eighty eight, and eighty nine from that North team were three guys who you were kind of the Drew well, Sample. Who the was eighty seven on the North team? That's the one that I think I'm talking about here. I'm not seeing him on the roster. Eighty seven on the North team. Uh, That's the one I is, thought was UCLA. What day do you have the roster from? The twenty third. So you pro- he was probably a late ad for oh, the here, Stetson kid. Here we go. Caleb Wilson, eighty seven. I got one from the twenty fourth. Yeah. Caleb yes. Wilson, UCLA, six four, two thirty. Boy, he looked he looked skinny out there, man. He looked real skinny. Yeah. I guess a two hundred thirty pound tight end is skinny. He looked too light in the loafers. Look, we've learned this when we've the the only guy that we've been able to look, we see guys like Gerald Everett out there, and as much as we want him to play more, he's just not the only guy out there who's been like a two hundred thirty five pound, two hundred forty pound tight end that's gone on to be anything of consequence in the league has been Evan Ingram, and that's only because he's just such a dynamic receiving threat. When you're that small as a move tight end, unless you are just ridiculous, you're not going to get out on the field that often. We want these guys to be big, and we want them to be out there, you know, 260 pounds at this event, something like that, you know, 250 to 260 to where you think that they can get up to 270 or so and carry that well at the NFL level so they can be out there when they're down on the goal line and they can slip out for these touchdowns. With the way that the tight end position is now, you do – you know, especially in fantasy football, you need to be out there. You need to be getting these snap counts because the volume just isn't there with the way that these offenses are evolving. Yeah, and uh, so that's where we got a little bit more interested in the guys that were around 250-plus uh, out there. I think Alex alluded to it. I mean, my guy by the end of the week, and I'm not, it was number 88. Or, I mean, it, was it 88? Yeah, 88, Drew Sample from Washington. And I, I, I think if I had to pick somebody besides Donald Parham from Stinson, I probably would have picked Drew Sample. Yeah. But as it was, I don't think there, – there were four wide receivers that I really wanted to get on, and I said, fuck it, this is, this is our you know, all-senior bowl roster. We've changed the formations before to suit the senior bowl, and that's why this year it's a four-wide four receiver set. I think if Parham would have stayed healthy through the week – it probably would have been a three wide receiver, one tight end set. Well, we would but, have had to see him in, in pass protection. The one thing about Sample was he was also pretty decent in pass protection. So, I mean, did any of these guys really blow my doors off? No. But if you ask me, like, who was the best tight end over the duration of the week, to me it was undoubtedly Drew Sample from Washington, 88 from the North roster. Had the, he, he practiced the entire week. You know, Parham didn't. Next to Parham, he definitely – was was having the best week out there and then i believe he started for the north roster and i don't have a box score here but i'm pretty sure he was the leading tight end in the game yesterday he wasn't any kind of monster but he had a couple of decent catches uh out there and then um your guy 89 during practice who was actually a lot like sample about 10 pounds heavier though number 60 let's see that was tommy sweeney from boston college very similar players another guy that we like during uh, the week of, the, of practice, had a had a bad drop yesterday, a few blips and and pass protection uh, during the week. But that you know the reason we bring these guys up is Alex reminds me, man, like Jack Doyle's played here in our time, and it's a busy week of scouting a lot of guys, and it, you know it's, it's, it's the tight ends can be hard. Can, can sometimes be hard, you know, and so I just want to make sure that we at least have all these guys in our memory banks uh, and on on our radars. I think a guy like Drew Sample, 88 out of Washington, like I won't be surprised if he's running around uh, making some plays. But Alex, like Alex said, none of these guys really blew our doors off. And then as far as the Senior Bowl scouting staff was concerned, it was the tight end out of LSU who had the uh, best week uh, in Mobile. What was his name, Alex? The tight, the 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 which one? The tight, tight end, end out of LSU. 
I forgot there was even an LSU kid there. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking back at the pra- I'm looking oh, back at the Foss, receiving Foss, right now. Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau is the guy that the yeah. that the uh, so one reception bowl. in the game for 11 yards for him. It looks like yeah, um, it looks like Drew Sample and Caleb Wilson both caught four balls in this game. Drew Sample with 39 yards, Caleb Wilson 24 yards. I'm telling you, Drew Sample not a bad player. That's the, I think that's the one to these, remember. These tight ends were so underwhelming. I don't even remember that they, that that kid was there from LSU. It, it, it wasn't a good group. I think it was a deep group, maybe not a good group, but we've gotten used to it being a deep group at tight end in Mobile the last few years. And then last but not least, we I think we should at least mention 88, Trevon Wesco from West Virginia, out who's there a, with David a, Sills a, and Gary Jennings. That guy was freaking running around the entire week of practice. Fullback, right. He's making a fullback, right. Making plays. Yeah, he's a fullback. So, I mean, if, you, if you're into that kind of, you know, but they were playing they two of those kind end. of players out there. That, well, right, they had two of those kind of guys out there. They had him and the other kid, Alec Ingold, two guys that looked to, to me more like kind of fullbacky tight end, H back types. Yeah. So, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm not into any of the tight ends. What about what about the quarterbacks? Uh, Daniel Jones, the all senior bowler for roster watch. I'm definitely not as um, not as high on him as like, you know former. All senior bowlers such as Baker Mayfield or Carson Wentz or, um, you know, Kirk Cousins. But, dude, there have been years that have been really, really lean at the quarterback position where we've had to, you know, just because of how bad everybody else was, because all it was was Logan Thomas and Stephen Morris and stuff, we have had to make all senior bowl quarterbacks such as, uh, oh, hell, what's the name of that guy out of Tennessee who sucks and he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers now? Dobbs. Yeah, like we've had to make guys like Josh Dobbs, all all senior bowl team quarterbacks. I I, I definitely Manuel. like having Dan, Yeah, I definitely. Or was that well, a Derek during, Carr? I, I, during EJ Manuel's year, I don't think he was all the all senior bowl. I think quarterback. it was Derek Carr. Yeah, I think so too. We'd have to go back and look. But re- regardless, I like Daniel Jones better than I like any of those types, right? Yeah, I'll have a second round grade on Daniel Jones. I like him. I don't know if I like him as much as Derek Carr, but I have a second-round grade on him, and I, th- I think he was the best quarterback in Mobile, even though it was con- contrary to popular belief and groupthink out there. Alex and I stood our ground on that, and, you know, I thought he looked pretty decent in the game. I cannot believe folks are talking about Drew Locke as a top-10 quarterback in their it's mock just so drafts. ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I, I had a hard time stomaching it when it was Carson Wentz coming out of the Senior Bowl already being – put into the top 10 but this those two guys live in two different universes, universes not neighborhoods universes yeah so n- no top 10 talk for for drew lock he's gonna be a fine second round pick just like who but you know i mean somebody could reach on him oh i think they All i, I think they team. probably will i mean if we get close to the draft and there's still tons of these guys in the know mocking drew lock in the first i won't be surprised if these guys get pushed in the first round but just you know, some economics of the NFL. Uh, it'll be a poor decision, though. And the scariest thing is he's being mocked to the Jaguars right now. And some of these mocks you're seeing, Bucky Brooks, etc. <laughs> I mean, what a calamity that oh, would be. Oh man, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe we'll see more through the process to make me a little less nervous about I mean, him. Alex just, says it right. I mean, Drew Locke's feet are not good. I mean, he's got what does a really... He do with them? His footwork is bad at the quarterback position. And, you know, I... I look, he's supposed to be this big, strong arm, rocket arm quarterback. I didn't see a rocket arm. This isn't Josh Allen. He's big, but Matt, uh, Daniel Jones was bigger. And uh, he's, Drew Locke is a big guy. He's not a... I, he's not an absolute behemoth out there. I don't, I don't claim to know exactly everything about quarterback mechanics like some George Whitfield or one of these quarterback gurus or, you know, these guys who can say like, oh, like, you know, his, his back foot placement whenever the receiver gets to his, you know, the stem of his route and needs to be pointed more out like this or stuff. Like, so I can't pick out those those little things at the position. I, I, I feel like you really need to have played quarterback at a high level to really understand those things, and that's why I really value the, the analysis of, you know, the, like the Dan Orlovskis of the world and, and, and people like this when they talk about quarterback mechanics because I just feel like it's so much different than, than the, you know, the mechanics of people that play in the interior, off the edge, linebacker, et cetera. With that being said, 
I, I, can, I can look at Drew Locke's drop back, and I can look at where his feet are whenever he, whenever he lets go of the football. And it's like, it's like, any, it's like if I was out in the back, if my son, when he gets old enough to throw a football, I'm going to kind of tell him, you can take your front foot and you can like point that like towards where you're throwing the football, right? You'd like if you're going to be aiming it, you, you yeah, know, his you feet are out balls. of sync with the rest There's, of his what motion. The, what, what the hell is his feet doing? It's like he's consistently having to throw like across his body in weird ways. And if those things can get, and now maybe what people see is that they're like, well, if those things can get, get, get cleaned up, imagine how good he can be. Because well, he's kind of good right now, just completely freelancing. And so I just I'm not sure how much of that stuff can be taught. It's like it all comes it all goes back to the whole thing about you know in, in quarterback mechanics. How much of that stuff's natural? How much of it's feel? How much of it's you know? And how much of that stuff can you really teach somebody? And do they fall back into old habits? Yeah, but if he yeah, right, I mean, you, even if you think you can teach him, you got to take that in your evaluation. I mean, you got a year or two of work ahead of you easily here. He's not a guy you're putting in in year one. Yeah. I mean, that's no. that's for sure. Will Greer just sucks. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, man. I mean, I think I don't, he first completed see. his first pass of the entire week was that slant right off in the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's just like how many passes did you see Will Greer even complete this week? It was just, it was a, I can count a, them on one. I think I can count them on my hands. It was a, it was a nightmare for that guy. Um, so yeah, no interest there. Stidham, and, you know, Stidham was the other guy that probably got the most attention. So I can't believe it. I mean, I, like. I don't know if it's Bucky Brooks or Jeremiah. These guys saying that they are in love with Jarrett Stidham, and they some of them thought he was the best quarterback this week. I can't, I can't go there. But oh, he was. I mean, he, he was better than Trace McSorley. He was better than Ryan Finley. He was better than. I think he was. Uh, I think he's. Better than Minshew Gardner? Oh, yeah. Did you Gar- see? No, Gar- Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Did you see the thing about his beard so, and his, his beard and his mustache? No, it's his mustache. It's his mustache. No, I didn't see it. What What? What was it? I guess he just had a burly beard all week, and he, he told everybody he was going to go to the mustache for the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he definitely had a mustache in the game for sure. And then the kid Tyree Jackson from Buffalo is the big towering six foot seven dude, two forty nine. Um, I thought he looks like a small forward in, in basketball. What do you think? I, I mean, pretty good game. I think that he at least at least he's, he had some intriguing you know skills, but he was just very very inconsistent, consistently inconsistent during the week of practice. But he was the MAC, um, I believe, the MAC offensive player of the year. Came out early, declared early. He was there with his teammate, Anthony Johnson. We'll talk about the wide receivers here in a second. Looked pretty good in the game until he threw a pick, as you would expect. What do you think? I mean, how does he stack up? Is he kind of in that bucket of kind of – in that bucket of like the Jared Stidham's of the world who you think might have a little something there, but maybe not, maybe not yet? Yeah, I think so. I think he's kind of like a – project guy that's probably I not think all these guys are a little bit of project project guy that probably won't work out but has enough to and entice somebody in i mean like you said he was consistent in, consistently inconsistent however i wouldn't characterize his week was as bad he had a decent week and you know my real problem with him was uh the length and uh, of his delivery how slow his delivery was and a little bit of an awkward you know throwing motion the way the ball comes out of his hand and obviously issues with his feet as well and you heard them talk about that in the broadcast uh on the game yesterday yesterday and but certainly flashed you know some really nice plays in the game and through the week of practice i actually think uh, he has a tiny bit of i mean this is a weird thing to say and i don't mean this in terms of uh, his proficiency or even his his upside as a prolific you know gunslinger but in terms of his throwing motion and even his feet I think he had a little bit of Philip Rivers to him and you heard them talk and at six seven I mean he's an even bigger guy I mean Rivers is a big guy but this this kid's even bigger so I think he's got a tiny little bit of that to him and uh you know you heard them say yesterday in the game that looked like he had was kind of shortening up that stroke, tightening it up a little bit for the game yesterday, and it was paying off. So, uh, you know, project guy with late-round project guy, you know, that uh, 
has enough tools to entice you. And if you watch the game, you, you get the full Tyree Brady experience. Or the, I'm not sorry, the Tyree Jackson experience. I'm thinking about the thinking about the wide receivers already. And we might as well move over to these guys, Byron. Let's let's um let's let's wrap it up with the wide receiver talk. And I think you can't. St- I think the game. Not sure the game really highlighted him the same way the third practice did, but I think in that third practice, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina really stepped up to show that he was the dominant force there as far as the wide receivers at the. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, 216 pounds, 10 and 8 inch hands, 5'11 and a half. Um, good college production as far as his market share, you know, 23% market share in his final year of receptions, 25% market share receiving yards, 34% market share touchdowns. Um, as far as the model that I'm getting built right now, and it's, you know, I've gotten my rankings in on at least the 14 wide receivers that were at the Senior Bowl, and I'll be interested to see where the guys, you know, who I'll be doing my evaluations on moving forward sort of you know, sort of fit in here. I'd imagine that there are going to be a few of these guys that rank higher than Debo Samuel based on just what I've already seen already of them. But Debo Samuel was my top wide receiver uh, coming out of the Senior Bowl based on what I've done uh, as far as film work and what he was able to show there during the week in Mobile. I mean, he was certainly the focal point of the South's offense right out of the gate, heavily targeted, heavily involved. Uh, and, you know, rightfully so, uh, like Alex said, an uh, outstanding week of practice for Debo Samuel and one of the players amongst most of our friends uh, out there that, you know, many of them were lauding Debo Samuel as the player of the week out there. So, yeah, definitely good good guy. And, you know, I thought Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State, I mentioned him earlier, that guy has a, the thickest neck I've ever seen, especially for a, wi- <laughs> a wide receiver, and he's got a huge head, man. It's just he, he, honestly a lot like Debo Samuel to me out there, quick and fast, able to separate, versatile, made big plays throughout the week of practice. You know, the one difference is Terry McLaurin, you know, surprises me. He's, what is he, he's uh, nearly 6'1", I wanted to say. So No, he, he's 6'6". Six, he's, 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 six, six, six even. Six, six foot? Six even, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe a hair, just a, a hair taller than... You know, I think those guys play like some of these quicker players we've seen at 5'9 or 5'10, but he and I guess yeah, he, they do, but they're you know, taller. But they're taller, bigger, uh, uh, you know, stouter, stouter players. And I think that bigger boat, hands. I mean, deep, Debo has 10 and 8 inch hands. Yeah, to me, that's a you know, different the, kind of cat. That's a great yeah. mixture. That bodes very well to the NFL if you can have that type of. Uh, athletic ability, really agility, I think is the best way to put it, and speed, speed and agility out there. That's really you know position specific, and but you come in a little more substantial than guys that typically have that profile. I have a feeling that both of those players will have very nice NFL combines. So um, McLaurin with the uncharacteristic drop that could have been a touchdown, actually a good throw from Drew Locke uh, yesterday in there in the red zone. But you know, other than he, that was. Unusual. He had a great week of practice, and I think he showed showed his stuff in the game yesterday too. Certainly was one of the focal points uh, of the North's yeah, offense. Uh, I, those of you who follow us on the Twitter feed uh, saw in our top ten thoughts after Tuesday's practice that if there was another Cooper Cup type player in Mobile uh, Mobile this year, it could be in fact uh, David Sills out of West Virginia. I think our comps on him transformed a tiny bit over the week as we got accustomed to his size and maybe his ability more, a little more on the outside than just than than uh, than maybe not quite as shifty as a Cooper Cup on the inside. We started thinking maybe a little bit more guys like Adam Thielen, you know, maybe the Jordy Nelsons, you know, some. some <laughs> it's so funny how they're just all white. Just well, we, look, we put Keenan out. We had, we <laughs> had Keenan out. We had Keenan yeah, Allen yeah, in there yeah. too. Right. right. And, yeah. uh, another guy, a little bit of a tough evaluation as the week went on by, because that Wednesday practice was, you know, kind of pulled away from us there. And we were wondering where he was in the game yesterday, but boy, they and, sure did get him at the, at the end. And, and he was making plays, man. And the South did, in the South did so much more of a 75% practice on, on, on Wednesday or Thursday. 
Right. And, and they cut it early. So in the north. And they cut it early. It was definitely – because you, you saw it. You're like, Sills didn't really shake in these guys. I'm like, watching from the very beginning of the route, he's not even stimming to start the route. It's like, I don't even know what he's doing. Is he hurt? And then we just looked at everybody. Like, you, you looked around and you saw that these guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're doing situational practice. Like uh, Hugh Jackson did his one year where it just ruined the evaluation for long portions of practice because they were, like, installing stuff and doing situational football, which is just not what the scouts are there to see, you know, at all. So, um I mean, how good I felt would like you? We got a little bit of that. How, on, how good would Thursday. you feel right now about David Sills if you knew that you had him locked up for like your second round dynasty rookie draft pick? Oh God, I love, dude, I love David Sills. It's, it's, it's a lot of it will depend on where he goes. You know, his, his his landing spot. Would I be happy with it if he landed in, you know, trying to think of a, you know, Miami or something? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's, where he goes. it's obviously going to depend, but I'm just saying, even in the worst case scenario, if he ends up in the worst position possible, aren't you still, I mean, I don't know, are we comfortable with him as a second round dynasty rookie draft pick? I think so, right? He, he looks like one. I know that Debo Samuel is one. He could be a late first round pick. I think David Sills is one. Well, he looks like one. And let's talk about kind of what mean it being a little bit like a Cooper Cup out there meant, especially on day one. It just meant that David Sills was a player who was being moved all around. He was really getting open on everybody. He was uh, running good routes and he was catching the football. He was he was kind of winning across the board, you know, uh, consistently and and sometimes in very impressive. Uh, fashion, you know. Now Cooper Cup yes. did that the entirety of every practice yes. of the entire week. Didn't really show it in the game that year. Um, but I think it is fair to, to like our our buddy Trevor uh, Sikama, who came on the radio show, the Sirius XM show, while we were out there. Um, if you are going to be on the Cooper Cup spectrum of wide receiver in the NFL, you do you would prefer to be on the shiftier side of that. So I think that's one. You know, maybe one place where we can differentiate. You know, those two, and and, and as I said earlier, yeah, I, I, it's a concern. I think, it's a little bit of a concern, right? And the and the other concern is he he does have a lot. The, the sort of uh, Chad Hansen kind of you know, there's a little bit of that too. And he's not been good. And statistically, <laughs> so, statistically, our friends would also say the concern historically is the eight and seven eighths inch hands. Alex and I aren't going to really, we're not really buying that. We think if it said nine inches, nobody would even be talking and about it. And it will say nine inches at the combine. I can't wait till we can change it up here on our stat sheet. Also, forty percent market share in college of his team's touchdowns. That's on a team that also had Gary Jennings, who was pretty good this week as well. So, I mean. Come on, it, like he's a he's a he's a he's a red zone hog and stuff. You don't throw you don't throw that many footballs in a Dana Holgerson air raid offense to a to a tiny undependable handed wide receiver. He's a big six foot three, two hundred ten pound dude. Like his, I think his hands will measure in at nine and an eighth at the, at the combine. His agent Lee Steinberg will send him to some special massage and they'll get, they'll get that worked out. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, the wide receiver position was actually, even though good, it, yeah, it was deep. good. It's deep, and it was good, even though that we thought from a fantasy perspective, maybe across the board, this wasn't the richest Senior Bowl ever. You know, we really came away with some tough decisions to make at the wide receiver position because, especially for the all all Senior Bowl team, just because of the depth and the and really the, the overall quality. And Alex, I know it was tough. Uh, for you and I to uh, this is why we had to give the tight end to boot man we couldn't leave our guy number 18 Penny Hart off of this roster man he was just he had too much juice and he caught the ball too well throughout the week of practice uh, to leave him off the roster man well he, he I came in excited to see Andy Isabella who is you know going to probably show out through the roof as far as his testing at the combine and um uh, you know, Penny Hart through the week. A little bit hesitant at first. I got to admit, Byron got onto him first. Byron was onto him first. But through the week, I couldn't help but just say, you know what? You're right. Every time I look up, the kids making play, like just play after play after play after play. Every every practice too. More and more scouts kind of going up there, like asking him his birthday. You know, like making sure that they had all their all their ducks in a row as far as Penny Hart out of Georgia State was concerned. A little bit smaller. Of a, of a player, five foot eight, one eighty, uh, has the same size hands as David Sills, though eight and seven eighths. 
uh, 31 and 3 eighths inch arms on that guy. And if you look back at his just, uh, production at Georgia State, kind of a little bit perplexing as to what happened because he played in all the games last year but had a much bigger junior season than he did his senior season. I, had I have known that before um, before these practices started, I definitely would have asked him what happened uh, but with his production between that junior and that senior year. All that being said, awesome player. He's a little like he's like a little stick of dynamite to add to an offense. Um, kind of reminds you just if you watch the highlights from his college time at Georgia State, there are games where he just takes over in the way of like a Tavon Austin, you know, like kind of one of these guys. And so you can kind of see him playing at that at that sort of level. Um, in the pros, he's certainly going to be drafted. I think he's probably Penny Hart's definitely a day three guy, right, Byron? I think so. I think he's like the most juiced up version of like a Bruce Ellington you could ever imagine. Kind of that running back body at the wide receiver position. Listen, yeah, you, you heard small, me. You heard, you small heard me all running back body. A small little running back. You body. heard me all week saying he was the Tariq Cohen of the yeah, wide because, receivers out there. That's, that's I mean, the thing because he because the thing is he's. He, when you think about a guy that's 5'8", 180, you don't think about a dude that's kind of rocked up and a little bit thick when you stand next to him. But he, but he is. He's like a strong little dude, right? But he's just um, – so whenever you say running back body, I just don't want people – like Bruce Ellington's bigger than 5'8", 180. I don't want him to think that, you know, he, he looks like he's actually a, you know, a 210-pound running back out there. Or like a James Washington also had a running back body, right? Debo Samuel's got a bit of a running back body to him. Yeah, he, he, I, I think he, of those guys like a, a little more as like Kindle Wright bodies than running back bodies. Just odd, odd kind of wide, kind of stocky wide receiver bodies. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, but so, little barrel chested. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Penny Hart, Andy Isabella. I kind of put those guys in the same bucket, but came away more pressed with Penny Hart with Andy Isabella. What he could do out of UMass is for one, just the speed, the feet. He could shake you as far as his separation. He could separate every time. It's just he doesn't use his hands to catch the football. He lets the, bo- the balls into his body. Byron had a really good point about when you can separate and, and you can get open on those two-way goes and those option routes and the ways that like Wes Welker used to or the ways that we used to see Danny Amendola in his prime. Those guys, it seemed like they would always just see the, body in, the ball into their body, right? I mean, so I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how much it – how much it ultimately matters if he can generate the kind of separation he needs to, because ultimately what is, you know, what is a hands catch? It's, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a way of separating from the defender, right? Catching the ball out in space. Yes. It is also more secure, right? It, it's a, it's a better, more fundamental way to catch a football, but the primary utility in a hands catch generally comes from the fact that it, you know, if it's in a contested situation, if, if you're longer and your hands are stronger and softer than the other guy, it's an another way to separate and Andy Isabella can separate by yards just via his his feet and his you know the swivel in his hips alone so you know what'd you come out thinking about that guy I mean kick returner at the NFL level can I mean is he going to be a guy that can be like a just a vertical nine route kind of stretch the defense option out of the slot he's gonna he's gonna run probably as fast as you know, probably. I mean, he's gonna have a John Ross like forty time. I mean, he he beat Denzel Ward in high school in the Ohio State, you know, state final one hundred meter championships. I see Andy Isabella, who has a um, as a player who has the opportunity to rise to a wide receiver three or wide receiver four position on a team in the NFL, potentially, potentially like a pretty involved wide receiver three or wide receiver four uh, in the NFL. We at roster watch uh, heavily weight separation skills and ability. Also uh, the ability to be a technician, especially for these young wide receivers coming out. And Andy Isabella's separation skills are incredible. And it's not like Alex said, it, once he he separates to get open to to make the catch, then his run after catch skills are also pretty much going to be second very, to none. Very good. He right. had a very. he had a big game yesterday, Alex. He had a big big game. 
John Gruden was slapping stickers all over his helmet. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> wouldn't be shocked to see Andy Isabella end up uh, some kind of Oakland Raider man. They already they've already shipped off their Ryan Switzer. Oh, the world. this is much better than Ryan Switzer. Uh, that's for sure. A much more explosive player than Ryan. Is he Switzer. better than Trent Taylor? Oh. Far, far and away. Andy Isabella okay. is a good, a good player, man. I think, I really think he could be a wide receiver. Like in a Tom Brady offense, he might be the fourth guy, but I think he could be the three or the four, um, in fairly quick order. So, I like Andy Isabella a lot. I think it's going to be a pretty good prospect. Uh, it was tough leaving him off. Uh, you do have the, the concern, senior bowl. Do you have the concerns about the body catch? But he didn't really drop a lot of balls this week, and you've seen the videos in his dorm room where he's got like the football that's attached to a bungee cord that's like screwed in up to uh, by the top of the door frame and he throws that thing 200 times a night and does one-handed catches with each hand on that on that ball and those are hands catches so i don't know if that'll translate or not but sounds like he's at least working on strengthening his hands and his ability to hands catch so Good player there. And, you know, look, you also mentioned Gary Jennings. We talked about David Sills. His teammate, Gary Jennings, had a heck of a week, man, out there uh, in Mobile. I think the only question is, you know, is he going to be like a Leonte Carew or one of these guys that just doesn't have enough juice? He's kind of got that Spider-Man kind of, you know, a little bit barrel-chested, strange kind of wide receiver body not really all that tall i'd have to look at his arm length his arms looked long 33 inch. Out, out on the field so he did have that that's that's kind of the james washington thing where you have the weird not real tall body but you at least got some you know long arms out there boy i thought he had a sneaky effective week man he was pretty good every day of practice he was always making plays and looked pretty decent again in the game yesterday got some targets so uh, nobody that's going to blow your mustache back in the wind, but Gary, <laughs> Gary, Gary Jennings is like, you know, Gary Jennings, a decent, decent wide receiver prospect um, to, to potentially, potentially be had in the late later rounds of this draft. And then Alex was Keenan Doss. Was that number eight all week you were crowing about? Yeah. Keelan Doss. And, but, and it was through the week though. It was like a little flash at first and more and more. And by the end he was making, terrific catches there at the end what we were worried about was whenever he was come when he, he was at the stem of his routes just all of the wasted motion in his in, in his cuts his feet looked way 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 too clunky at the top of his routes with that being said man uh, after the game because he, he looked really good in the game right he, he had a great good in the game, game. And like so, I went back and watched a little bit more of him, and you realize just how productive he was at UC Davis. Just uh, I mean, 118 catches last year at UC Davis, 1,334 yards. Just one of the one of the more productive you know, players. I mean, as far as all the wide receivers that I have on my yeah, as far as I have 23, 24 wide receivers on my evaluation sheet that I've either evaluated or that are kind of yet to be evaluated, that's the most receptions of any of them. The nearest would be um, another guy at the Senior Bowl, Jacoby Myers, that had 92 receptions last year. So, I mean, or no, Andy Isabella had 102 at, at, at UMass. So, I mean, Keelan Doss, as far as from a volume perspective, was absolutely fed the football. Now, that was at UC Davis, right? But... Um, I noticed during the broadcast yesterday that Daniel Jeremiah said this was one of his favorite guys. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of scouting buzz about Keelan Dawson. I'm going to be really interested to kind of dig a little bit more into his film, watch him through the process. The Keelan Dawson is a player that if he goes into the combine and has a really good one and we get there into Lucas Oil and I've noticed that there's been some improvement in his – that's a guy who could use getting with Coach D-Rob up there at Always Open the way that Penny Hart is working with, with, with him. You could tell in Penny Hart's routes, no wasted motion at the top of his route stem. If, if, if we see that out of Keelan Doss when we're inside Lucas Oil getting the, um, getting the, um, the, 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 the grades out for the on-field scores for our pro members, the Keelan Doss isn't wasting that much motion, and he's still catching the football with the kind of, as, as you say, Byron, like the, what, the explosive catcher of the football, the way that he just, the way that he just goes up the – I mean, goes up to get it, always, you know, like if he gets a hand on the football, he's always going to be reeling it in. 
if if he could look a little less clunky with his feet, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move him way up in my rankings. I, I mean, I came away actually. Keelan Doss, I feel like, was the fifth best wide receiver for the fifth best wide receiver in all of Mobile behind Debo Samuel, David Stills, Terry McLaurin, Penny Hart. Then after that, is it Andy Isabella or is it Keelan Doss? Uh, that, that's 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 kind of where I am on it. I'd probably and have Isabella just because I think we know for sure Isabella's got something special. I went back through my notes yesterday, and I, I was reminded I had a lot of good notes on Keelan Doss from day one of practice. And then, of course, Wednesday kind of, through a wrench and everything, and then on on Thursday, like Alex said, he was he was he was catching everything, and kind of the conversation we had was, you know, he's sneaky efficient out here. He's catching everything. What does that What does that mean? And kind of the question I posed was, you know, how many of those guys are there in the NFL? You you still got to have if 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 you've got to if you got to have either some extra juice out there, or you've got to at least have some. It's the Chris Moore, uh, some, right? It's, some, the Chris, uh, it's the Chris Moore doctrine. It's like yeah. you need more than just to be able to always catch everything that's thrown Or who away. was the one out of K-State that the Seahawks drafted on the outside? Uh, Tyler Lockett? No, before him. Before him. Oh, um, the K-State? Oh, God. Outside well, the, guy. The, it, is, it is true of Tyler Lockett. And, I'm but trying so, to anyways, who, you know where I was going with it with that type of guy. I the mean, Seahawks he, did draft him, and he did play at K State. I can't think of who the other guy was though. Uh, there was I, the, I, I know who you're thinking. There was the one before that, but on the yeah. outside. But nonetheless, kind of my comment was like a guy like this who's sneaky, efficient, and catching everything. It, it, there's a lot of guys like that that don't really make it unless they've got a little extra juice or they've got a little bit extra, you know, size. And, you know, Keelan Doss, I think, came in around 6'3". So he, Chris, Chris Harper. Chris Harper. And so <laughs> Keelan, Keelan Doss coming in at 6'3 has a little bit of that extra size that none of these other guys we've kind of thrown out there like the Chris Harpers of the world, you know, had. So, yeah, I'm, I'm – you know, I'm kind of with Alex if that if, if he can show something in Indy all of a sudden – uh, Keelan Doss is is on the radar because if he if he's sneaky efficient but also has a little bit extra size and then it turns out he's got a little bit of measurable juice, uh, I think we can be interested. Otherwise, I worry that along the light way he just fades into being just a guy because you know even though he's making sneaky effective catches out there um, pretty consistently, there's just you know you're not going to be able to win like that often. You know, at at the game level in the NFL. What about the rest of these guys? I mean, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo, Tyree Brady from Marshall. We talked a little bit about Jacoby Myers from NC State, and then just I mean, Travis Fulgham from Old Dominion, Hunter Renfro from Clemson, Jalen Smith from Louisville, and then Alex Wesley from Northern Colorado. He did not play in the game. Uh, if I were his agent, I wouldn't let him play in the game either. That guy didn't do anything all week long. Jalen Smith from Louisville, I think is just a I think is just bad. Um, you saw number pro. eleven got the start yesterday, and did improve over the course of the week oh, was, out of Marshall. Well, that's the thing we're talking about: Tyree Brady out of Marshall, six foot two and a quarter, uh, two hundred six pounds, ten inch hands, and a really good production profile in college: thirty percent market share of receptions, thirty four percent market share of receiving yards, and a monster forty five percent market share of receiving touchdowns for the what the Marshall is that the Thundering Herd? Yep. I think so. So, um, and what you like to see, you know, I said in the in, in day one, I remember saying to you, I said, look, man, there were a bunch of balls that Tyree Brady didn't, that he did not catch. And I said, that's how he wins, is catching on those kinds of footballs, those tough ones where he's got to extend and, and, he's, and he's got a big long corner kind of draped on him, but he's just bigger, he's stronger. And, and, and if he can make those kinds of catches and he can moss on people, then that's – that's what you want to see, but he was not able to do it. And I'm like, well, how's he going to win? How's this guy going to win? He's not that fast. He, you know, he doesn't necessarily stem that well off the line of scrimmage. We saw, it, we, you know, we saw him getting pressed a ton because he was lining up the X. There were some really good press corners uh, on, 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 on his team during the week of practice. And but what do we always say? We look for it through the week of practice is improvement, Right. When these guys can show that they can improve, it's like how much are they going to improve once they get into an actual camp and they're doing this every single day? We only get to see improvement over three days. 
It's a big deal. So Tyree Brady, certainly, you know, radar up on that guy. I'm uh, going to be interested to see him as well in, in Indy and see how he looks uh, running, running routes against air. If he looks a little bit less lumbering there coming out of his breaks, uh, he could be a guy who I could see, uh, you know, moving up in my personal rankings as well. Well, I'm looking forward to it because I don't see it. I just don't see it out of Tyree Brady from Marshall. 